Good morning and welcome to Saga Talk on Sunday with your host, Gregory Muncy, on the Lakeshore's 92.7 The Van. Gregory talks with area business owners, civic leaders, as well as other folks in the region to find out what's happening in the Saga Talk Douglas area. Saga Talk on Sunday is being brought to you by Charming Saga Talk Rentals, The Interurban, Back to the Future, and Mill Pond Realty. And now, Gregory Muncy with Saga Talk on Sunday on the Lakeshore's 92.7 The Van. Looking down Butler Street in beautiful downtown Saugatuck here on Sunday. This is Gregory Muncy. Welcome to the show. I'd like to thank our sponsors, of course, Charming Saugatuck Rentals. They uh, manage three wonderful rentals in Saugatuck and Douglas. And uh, you can go to their Facebook page and check them out. They do a wonderful job there. Uh, that's CJ and Kimberly Badgerack. Also, the Interurban Transit Authority. For 40 years, they'll take you where you want to go for only a buck. Uh, between the Saugatuck Douglas area, and uh, it's a wonderful resource. We also have Back to the Fuchsia Flower Shop, where I've been spending my time filling in for Jean, making lots of pretty flowers over there at 439 Butler Street in the old hardware store. And then, of course, Mill Pond Realty. They've been your realtor source here for what, 25, 30 years? No, 25 years, I think they're celebrating now. And also the Mill Pond Realty Rentals, where they, they manage anything between a small cottage, uh, maybe you want a condo or a full house right on Lake Michigan. It's a great way to escape. And now that Valentine's Day is coming, it's a great, great Valentine's gift for your special lover. So uh, you might want to think about that. And you just go to the uh, stay category there, uh, com and see all kinds of options. And you can also go to millpondrealty.com, Millpond Realty Rentals, for a great stay here in the Saugatuck Douglas area. I'd also like to thank our producer, Chad Cashman, and let you know that podcasts are now available online at www.927thevan.com. So you can listen anytime. We'll also be sharing the link on our Facebook page, Sagatuck on Sunday. So go on over to that page and, and like us there. Now, it's just after 7 a.m., and it's about 34 degrees. Can't believe that we didn't get the snow that they said we were supposed to get uh, yesterday evening. And it was calling for snow this morning, but there's a light drizzle, and you might see a flake in between here or there. Uh, plenty of flakes here. Um, <laughs> so uh, you can listen and uh, 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 just uh, pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee. And uh, I can't believe we're getting already into January, uh, the middle of January. And February is going to be here just around the corner. Now, I've been gone the last couple of weeks, and uh, it certainly wasn't a vacation. And I bet you're wondering where I've been. You're probably wondering what happened to last week's show. What happened? We started it off, and we had some technical difficulties, and then we switched over to one of the best of shows, um, one of our shows that we had James Reeser on in the Backstreet Backseat Drivers. Now, 
Uh, grab a cup of coffee again and settle in. I'm enjoying my coffee from the Butler Pantry. They're providing a hazelnut cream here for the, our show. And, uh, and But before we get into anything, we've got lots of uh, stuff to talk about where I've been. We've also got Dr. Lori Burkholz, uh is on the air. She's a Southwest, Southwest Michigan uh, women's practitioner and uh, lots of knowledge she's been sharing on Facebook about COVID and sharing with all of us and keeping us updated on uh, the current events uh, surrounding that. We've also got Betsy York. She'll be on from the Sagatuck Center for the Art, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Sagatuck Douglas. Uh, uh, wow, I, I drew a blank there, Art Club. <laughs> I need another cup of coffee here. And uh, from Sagatuck Douglas Art Club, I should know that. I just became a member. And so we're going to find out a little bit more about them. And then finally, we'll have Mary Whiteford on. We'll talk about all of her wonderful accomplishments as she served as our 80th District State Representative. But first, I'd like to introduce our co-host, um, Daniel DeFranco. Daniel DeFranco, let's get that uh, disco ball down. And he's working the dance floor. He's here with me at our studio in downtown Saugatuck on the 300 block. And uh, he's a bartender from Phil's. And he's also part of the Tri-Community Tri Recycle Committee. And uh, we'd like to welcome him to the show. Let's give a big hand to Daniel DeFranco. Is it DeFranco or DeFranco? I just say DeFranco, but I mean, whatever way you would like to pronounce it. You, you think DeFranco sounds a little bit more DeFranco? My partner says DeFranco. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey, so DeFranco works for me. That's funny. It's great to have you on the show. And uh, I've known you here uh, uh, since you guys have moved into town, and uh, you and Dustin. Dustin was on from Modalis Wines. They're doing a fun little uh, February special uh, with flowers and uh, wine. You pick up the flowers there. He's working on a promotion there. And um, But uh, uh, you guys have a wonderful home that you share a lot on social media, your chickens. Yes. And, uh, of course, Dustin has a little thing he calls Tipsy Chef. Yes. And he'll either cook live or he'll share his dish. And he's certainly a wonderful cook. Um, it looks like I haven't I haven't tried his cooking though. So oh, his it, cooking's great. Oh, oh okay. it's fantastic. It looks good. It's very good. But, I mean, he's know. very talented. He's got a big personality, um, <laughs> which I enjoy. Um, but yeah, no, his food's fantastic. And and you have issues with the uh, loading the dishwasher. I understand. It. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Apparently, so. my uh, loading the dishwasher is not up to snuff for Dustin. Some people are very particular about dishwasher loading. I, I've got friends that are like that. To be honest, I didn't think he knew how to open the dishwasher. <laughs> it's usually just my domain. I'm the dishwasher person, and, and it was just that one morning Dustin decided to open the dishwasher and and critique my strategy and, and putting away dishes and spoons and stuff <laughs> but i haven't seen you around town lately gregory Where right right well i've been back for a little bit over a week now uh, well, a week and a half actually and um on christmas day uh i had a nice little feast here i made my mom's kind of uh, christmas dinner that she always made with the ham and the potato salad uh, she always made uh, baked beans and green jello. Um, green uh, jello. Yeah. Well, I want to mention real quick. I've got CJ Badrick here, real just sidebar, and he's doing my technology stuff. So, uh, if anything goes wrong, it'll be his fault. <laughs> and so, so I want to thank CJ for coming out. Coming no, pro out. no problem. Glad okay. to be here. I wasn't here last week. 
Oh, CJ, don't take the mic so much, okay? This is my show. All right, so settle down. No problem. Don't take my spotlight. Okay, don't talk too much, okay? <laughs> yes, uh, CJ and Kimberly, uh, I, uh, they own uh, the charming Sagatuck Rentals, and I've been um, uh, quarantining with them since this began. So we'll get together at each other's dinners and, and you know, have dinners and things like that. And, um, and everybody has been fine. Uh, but Christmas Day, when I had yeah. them over for dinner, mm-hmm. um, uh, I came down with a little bit of nausea, like around 5 o'clock, uh, 4 or 5 o'clock, right after dinner. And I was literally passed out. My uh, CJ and Kimberly were just like, uh, oh, we're just going to go. They did the dishes and they yeah. left. And, and so I laid down and uh, started, get, started swelling and nausea. And I thought, well, you know, I was wondering, well, what's going on? At first, I thought, well, is it a food allergy? But I would have thought is... it was the green jello. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, uh, no, but I made the green jello, not CJ. We'll oh. talk about CJ's green jello. That's a whole <laughs> subject. He, he, he thinks he can make it, but I make it right. So, uh, but, but anyway, um, so, um, so they, they, as I said, they left, and, and uh, it got worse throughout the night. The nausea, the swelling, rash, like it's hives. Terrible. I've never had hives or rat like that. And my, so I thought, well, this might be an allergic reaction. So it lasted through the night. Couldn't sleep last night or that night. Mm-hmm. Um, it lasted through the night, and then it continued on the next day. Um, I gave myself – I took Benadryl, you know, things that I had on hand yeah. to kind of uh, – and uh, took an oatmeal bath and, you oh, know. I love an oatmeal bath. Yeah, right. Um, and and uh, and that was soothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, took some, you know, Motrin or, I mean, uh, some uh, Aleve. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that wasn't working. Didn't have a fever, you know. So it, you know, didn't lose my taste or smell. So I thought, well, this, you know, maybe it's a reaction of some kind. Um, uh, it lasted the next day and into Sunday. And I thought, well, you know, Sunday morning, I thought, yeah. this is this has got to stop. I can't wait until Monday to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. So I went into urgent care at Holland, which mm-hmm. they did a wonderful job. Uh, Holland Hospital System is wonderful. My second time experience going through their system and uh, very clean, very efficient, very it looks friendly. looks like a lovely facility. It really is. They, they took good, great care of me. Um, uh, he treated me for my symptoms. Um, and, uh, right away I started getting relief while I was in urgent care. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, he sent me home with a prescription. And of course, while I was there, I was tested for COVID. Mm -hmm. So, um, they called me the next day, Monday morning, and I had COVID. Were you shocked? I was shocked because like I said, I didn't have the regular symptoms. I didn't have the, you know, I didn't lose my uh, t- uh, sense of taste, my sense of smell. Yeah. Um, you know, I just thought maybe it was allergic reaction. I kept looking back, like maybe it was that Chinese food I ate a couple <laughs> days prior, or you know, maybe it was from working at the flower shop. We had been you working with know. greens, and maybe I picked something up like a poison ivy, or yeah. you know. Um. So. Um. So. Uh. So actually, um, within by Monday on the medicine that he gave me uh-huh. by Monday Tuesday morning. My symptoms were gone. That's Those symptoms, awesome. yeah, and yeah. I felt wonderful. Yeah, that would be um, terrible to feel that way for two weeks. Right, right. So that entire week and a half that I was on um, uh, here on what do you call uh, quarantine? Quarantine, right? You were quarantining. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
it was it was uh, get a lot done here at home. You know, I started doing projects here that needed to be done. Finished up some things that I was working on, and and um, uh, had a great community. I had a lot of ladies bringing me soup and food and asking me what I wanted. People doing errands. And you see the world go by from mm-hmm. your perch. Right, right. Um, I I walked outside two times. Yeah, and they were just both times that I had to go to the bank. Mm-hmm. Where I sterilized myself and everything, and I <laughs> I just put what I had to give the bank to the bank, and you know, and uh, and uh, let them know, you know, yeah, and uh, and but uh, but I stayed inside and uh, quarantined and uh, was fine. So uh, Wednesday comes, you know, the day where uh, I was supposed to be unquarantined uh-huh. and and uh, unquarantined. Is that a word? <laughs> I was free again. Yeah, you were. Free. Yeah, uh, but I wanted to get tested again. Because uh-huh. I wanted just to make sure. Absolutely. So um, I went to the facility there, Holland facility. Um, they have a, a spot there on uh, Washington, mm-hmm. uh, there in Holland, where I went and got the uh, that thing up my nose again. So what did you think about the thing up your uh, nose? No. See, Dustin loved it. Dustin Yikes. was like, fine. He was like, yeah, do it again. And I was freaking out. I couldn't breathe. I was panicking. You can feel it. Like afterwards, you know what I mean? Like, like I could kind of still like a violation, <laughs> right? And and so, um, so uh, the next day they called, or actually it comes on your text on your phone, yeah, and uh, came up negative. That's fantastic. I was so happy. <laughs> I know you were I saw because your <laughs> I was. Par- well, the first thing when I first got COVID, the first thing I freaked out about where it was. I thought, well, who was I close to? I know yeah. that's the, that's the one scary Kimberly, thing. CJ, yeah. uh, I was close to uh, uh, Gene. Um, over Back to the Fuchsia, mm. I was close to uh, Cheryl over at the Book Nook mm-hmm. on that Christmas Eve because we had both – we had worked all that day. And um, so they all went tested. They all got tested, neg- and it came back negative. That's and I was so relieved. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, me, that's one thing. But to think that you would have – possibly carried that to somebody i know you never want to you know make somebody sick or hurt someone right. or inadvertently right. and you know especially in our little community mm-hmm. so allegan county um they contact you i have a packet here that i have to fill out uh-huh. um because they keep track of you know uh, uh their covid patients so there's a questionnaire and all that that i have to do this week for that so <laughs> you have homework from yeah, allegan yeah. county <laughs> <laughs> right right so that's something i have to go through so so yeah, that's been quite interesting, and it's it made a harrowing you know, journey. It and and you know, I didn't go through this life and death experience. You know, I thank God. Yeah. Um, I didn't have respiratory problems, mm-hmm. and that was great. Um, but uh, but it did make me rethink some things. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, about you know my lifestyle and being. Uh, gonna be fifty one this year. I said it. Are you being more healthy now, Gregory? What are you What are you drinking right now? This is, you know, I've been doing this every day now. I I have drank more fruit <laughs> in the last week and a half, yeah, than I've eaten in all of last year. I think, yeah. So I've gotten on this kick. I bought a blender uh-huh. over from uh, uh, the Butler Pantry. I love the Butler Pantry. Oh, they do. They've got got great little mini appliances there too. And if you check, you know, online or compare yeah, prices, yeah. they're just about the same. They're close, sometimes mm-hmm. lower. Um, so um, I got a really nice Cuisinart um, uh, mixer, okay. blender, and um, I started making smoothies, fruit smoothies. <laughs> so what, what what kind of fruit is this? Now, this is this is this is cherry. This is a cherry, pineapple, wow. banana, and then I put a little. Mm, hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's kind of like a milkshake. It looks like a milkshake. But it, it's, it's, it's got uh, oatmeal in it. I put like a quarter cup of um, uh, the instant oats. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're ground up nice. Yeah. And, um, and I blend that with uh, yogurt, milk. And I add like frozen fruit, fresh fruit, whatever I have on hand. Always put a banana in it. Yeah. Um, and they're they're good. So I shared that with some of my friends, and everybody got on. The, you know, a lot of people are at, onto this. You know, <laughs> um, and and so everybody's giving me advice. Oh, you've got to get these protein powders. Oh, this this. I, I, there's so many names to this yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah. you, and you could spend a fortune. Yeah. On on some of these products, you know, to, to make smoothies, you know. And oh, I yeah. go, no, I just kind of, I just want to do basic. I, I think that's enough of a shot for my body. First of all, because not only am I drinking smoothies, I also cut out Pepsi, um, and I was a Pepsi holic, and oh. I still am. I guess once you are, you, you always are. Withdrawal when you quit soda. Um, yeah, a, a little bit, but I'm kind of doing instead of you know for the caffeine, uh-huh. I'm doing iced tea. Oh, that works. That's nice. So. Um, but, uh, I learned that the phosphates from sodas are uh-huh. the problem, not so much the sugar and, uh, uh, as far as bones and things like that. And, you know, when you get, get to be my age, um, you know, you've got to think about you stuff got weak, like that. You got weak ankles and, and weak I was bad. wrists. Three, four Pepsis a day. Easy. That's a lot. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's a lot, Gregory. Yeah, I know. And, you know, you, you get, I, from what I was reading, you get uh, your full. And then I also learned from Maggie yeah. um, over at the, uh, the health store, nutrition store, Lady, Lady Hawk. Hawk. And, she, um, and she was teaching me a lot about that, too, um, that uh, you get all of your daily recommended amount of phosphate in uh-huh. just one, you know, little can. Interesting. And here I am drinking at least three or four. <laughs> and then, of course, if I have a captain. So you're Coke. overdosing on phosphates. Oh, gosh. I had to. But so now here's the thing. I've noticed a difference now. It, not a big difference. Yeah. I have more energy in the morning. There you go. Um, I have, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, less of the achy achies, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not grunting so much when I get out of the chair. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a revolutionary I change. grunting was a side effect of soda. Well, it's it's a side effect of getting old, so, Aww. you know. <laughs> well, you look, I don't know, not five years past 30. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was going to get myself in trouble there, I thought. Thank, thank you. Well, okay, now enough about me. Yeah. Let's get to you. That's sure. why I, you. I was... Uh, uh, Anxious and happy to have you as a co-host. I knew you'd be a lot of fun. Uh, you always are when you're at uh, Phil's Bar and Grill. I just love working at Phil's. It's fun when you and Dustin have worked together. Oh, we I, like that. It's I think fun, it's fun for the customers. Fun, I don't know if it was fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun show for all of us to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you moved here about four years ago. And uh, in uh, in addition to Phil's, you're also uh, a college professor. I am. I College am. professor, you just not too long ago accomplished a really big project, didn't you? I did. Um, yeah, a few months back. Well, I guess. Wow, it's already September. I, I finished my uh, my doctorate in philosophy. Wow. Yeah. So that was it. Was a long time coming. It was a long process. Um, but yeah, no, I'm so happy to be done. It was a very obscure topic. Yeah. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. It was. And, uh, and, yeah. And I remember you know talking about this thesis project you were mm-hmm. working on and teasing you because I felt like it had been a year or something that you've worked on this. <laughs> well, no one believed I would ever get it done, but it just takes a lot of time. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. you know, I was working at it consistently, and I you know, 
I finally got it done. Towards the end, I think the people really saw that, you know, it was going to get done and they were getting excited for me. And right. So it was it was really lovely, especially accomplishing it here. And, you know, during this time, you know, you're not really connecting with a lot of people. So to be downtown and working at Phil's and really feeling like a part of the community and being able to share that mm-hmm. was just it was the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Um, I, I'm going to ask you something about that maybe in a minute. But yeah. you're also, I want to say, you're also on the recycling committee, mm-hmm. um, and you're also on the township planning commission. So aren't you a busy little community guy? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Good for you. I, yeah. It definitely, I definitely didn't anticipate being as involved in the community when we moved here. Uh-huh. Um, we only, yeah, we only moved here four years ago. Um, and I remember Dustin being very um, anxious about it and thinking, you know, are we going to fit in? Um, am I going to have friends? Um, sure. Are we going to be bored? And, you know, I, you know, I told him, listen, we can always move back. We moved from the very far, far away land of Chicago. You're I don't right. know if anyone's heard of it. Right. Um, but, yeah, so Dustin was very paranoid and so anxious. I imagine it like Green Acres. Of our house. Yeah, just the whole thing. <laughs> It was kind of like Green Acres, yeah, because we had this, you know, this little downtown loft. It was, you know, it was very chic, and you know, we'd walk, you know, sure to, you know, Michigan Avenue, and we were close to Wicker Park, right. and you know, we had a very urban lifestyle, yeah. which I loved. Right, and then we moved up to a log cabin on two acres, surrounded by big parcels on Old Allegan Road, chopping the barn. wood, chopping wood. My sister moved in with us. She was actually the wood chopper. She was, <laughs> yeah, she was the head right? wood chopper. Yeah, and I would go out and try and check. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Did you get now? Well, you know, did you wear a flannel? Because I know that that helps oh, when you wear we flannel. So many flannel. You know, people have like a lot of shoes. Uh-huh. We have a lot of flannel. And you've got to have like you know some kind of beer, like Old Milwaukee, maybe. Maybe that helps. One of those kind of. No, we are still like mostly a strictly martini and Manhattan household. Yeah, I know that because I, I see lots that. of those pics online <laughs> where you guys are sharing on yeah. social media. Yeah, not so much beer, but yeah, definitely we like our cocktails. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, you guys got the chickens as well. We have the chickens. It was Dustin. How's that going? It's going really well. That's the first time you've like so all of a sudden you. Just, you go in full force. Like you're you're not just moving to the country. You've got like a little – you're starting a mini farm there. Well, the funny thing is the chickens actually sold Dustin on the house because I was the one who was like, I want a house. You know, Dustin didn't find anything in Chicago he liked. We were up here a random weekend. It was Halloween weekend, and I was like, I want to see this house. Dustin didn't want to see the house. I was like, I'm going to meet with the real estate agent, and uh-huh. he begrudgingly came along. Um, and then when we were there, I looked at the bar and I said, hey, Dustin, you could have your chickens here. And he was like – I want to, you know, I want to put an offer in. I was like, we can even go inside. He's like, where's the, you know, I want to sign the contract. I'm like, let's just look at it. So, yeah, the idea of having chickens for Dustin was like, it sold him on the house. It sold him on moving here. So, yeah, we love our chickens. Yeah. Um, this round we haven't fully named, but some of them have names. They all have their little personalities. Yes, yes, I see that. They're beautiful too, by the they way. They are beautiful. Uh, yeah, just, thank you, Gregory. Yeah, yeah, I love the pics that you guys share. Uh, they're they're pretty. They're all different too. Yeah, they're all different. I think we have like four breeds. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have um, light Brahma, um, Australop. Um, I'm trying to think of the other um, Bantam, wow. Bard Rock. I, I never knew those. Amber things. Link. Wow. Wow. So you've learned a lot about chickens. Do they, they all, are their eggs all different then, right? Their eggs yeah. are all different. So right. you can, you know, once you figure out who's laying, I mean, you, you, know, you go in there and you'll see them, you know, in their little, 
little little coop laying their egg. Uh-huh. So you figure out like which one lays what. Right. And the bantams so cute. They lay these little tiny eggs. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those would be fun for like hors d'oeuvres or things like that. They are or... fun. We have a we have uh, friends Lisa and Ken, and they have a they have a, a son, and so we give them sometimes like the little bantam eggs so he can have his little omelet. He's like I think he's like four or five. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. He enjoys that. Back to being a college professor. Yeah. And your doctorate in it now. Uh huh. Um, where do, where and what do you teach? Um, so I teach philosophy, all different um, areas of philosophy, um, the history, so Greek philosophy, early modern philosophy. So like, so you um, get deep. I get deep. I have to get deep. Did I pop my pee? I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> but you get really deep. I have to get deep. I have to. I'm a, I, I nerd out hardcore. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a serious nerd. Wow, wow. And um, and so that's really cool. And now, now where do you teach at? Or? Um, right now I'm teaching at Grand Valley State uh-huh. um, on the Allendale campus, so right outside of Grand Rapids. Uh-huh. Um, it's a wonderful school, big university. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. I can't believe how big it is. I have a friend who just moved out to Allendale, yeah. and I just was overwhelmed. I mean, the housing... Just for the just for the students, looks like a city. It's a whole it, the whole city's built around it. I know it really is, and yeah. each every year it grows and grows. It's become a real competitor with uh, Western Michigan and Kalamazoo, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's great because I think it's really infusing Grand Rapids with a lot of young people. Sure. Um, the, the students tend to really like Grand Rapids and stick mm-hmm. around. At least that's what they tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a it's a great addition to Grand Rapids, our area. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I enjoy it very much. Well, Grand Rapids is the second biggest city in the state. It's a fantastic city. It's yeah. great to have it. It's like to – I love to live in our little rural bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice to know that Grand Rapids is just right there. And we have, right. We have an airport, and right. it's a real, it's a real city. Well, Saugatuck and Douglas are the coolest cities. I never like, I city. never like to leave. Saugatuck I know, I know. We all talk about that. A lot of people are like, even folks that were born here, yeah. uh, whether they transitioned here like we did, or whether they were born in the area. I talk to a lot of them that say, yes, we are the same way. You know, yeah. We get, we get homesick very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about. About the recycle committee, what have they been up to lately? Oh, we've been up to so much. Um, um, yeah, we um, in September we put out a survey, uh-huh. um, yeah. just kind of seeing what people know about recycling, um, seeing what people think of the problems with waste haul. Because there's been a lot of people that weren't so happy about the new recycling um there have been. and i know there's been a challenge with recycling all around the country as well right absolutely all around the country so because nobody's buying our garbage anymore china's not buying our garbage anymore they're not buying our recycling and so now recycling has to be processed um in american um they call them MRFs, material resource facilities. MRFs, isn't that a disease no MRFs. oh okay MRFs. like okay. a smurf all right <laughs> um so yeah so it's a material recovery facility so all of our recycling now is processed in the United States, uh-huh. which is a huge challenge because before that, the majority was being processed abroad. Oh. Um, and so a lot of the challenges and a lot of the growing pains we're experiencing here is a is a symptom of what's happening nationally or, or a sign of what's happening nationally. Right. Um, so, you know, we're working through that um, and, you know, trying to just inform people um, and 
you know, make it easier for our recycling hauler to actually successfully recycle material. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that there's so much material that we assume is recyclable, but is not recyclable. Um, and if you put material that is non-recyclable in your recycling, what that could do is contaminate the load. And instead of mm -hmm. that load being recycled successfully, it's diverted to the landfill. And we want to try to avoid that. We want to try to increase the rate at which our material that we're recycling is actually successfully recycled and divert it from the landfill. Um, and so we're starting an initiative called Back to Basics. So it's an educational program telling people what can and cannot be recycled and how to properly prepare it, you know, wash it out. Um, dry it. Mm -hmm. um, don't put anything like pizza boxes in your recycling. Help educate people. So educate they know. people so yeah. they know what's going on. Yeah, right. So you, you work with the current um, uh, 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 trash company, the um, Republic, right? We do work closely with Republic. We have a good working relationship with them. We have no affiliation with them, so right. we're not, you know. Right, you're an independent volunteer Independent group. Yeah. volunteer. Nobody gets paid. We're right. just, you know, doing this out of the goodness of our hearts and our, you know, our commitment to, you know, recycling. Yeah, Is that because you have you honestly have a, have a drive to, uh, to help the environment. Yeah, and I think a lot of people in town feel that way. I think, you know, we do sure. think of ourselves as progressive, um, environmentally conscience, mm -hmm. conscious. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want to help Sagatuck and Douglas live up to those aspirations. Sure, sure, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure the um, Republic appreciates that because then they've got folks that they can, you know, ask questions about, about recycling. It probably uh, slows down their phone lines. I feel like it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I would see that as being a win-win situation I for both so. sides. So we are getting close. So, you know, I'm, I've got so many more questions yeah. for you. And uh, we've got our next guest. Uh, I know Ooh. I'm excited. Lori Burke. Burkholz is is on, and she'll be uh, talking with us next. But I want to send another shout-out to our sponsors, uh, Charming Sagatuck Rentals, Interurban, and also Back to the Fuchsia Flower Shop, and, of course, Mill Pond Realty. Thanks, folks. We appreciate you letting us keep the show going. This is Sagatuck on Sunday, and we'll be back on 92.7 The Band. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm back with Daniel DeFranco. And uh, we, I wanted to talk so much a little bit more about the Recycle Committee. And I've got other questions for you as well. Um, you know, um, there, uh, you moved here from Chicago. What would, you, would you ever consider moving to the big city? That's what I wanted to ask you. Would you ever go back? You know, I'd never say never, but... Um, I, we're just so invested in our life here. Uh -huh. um, you know, I used to think we lived like kind of bougie existence in, in Chicago, but I just love, you know, waking up in the morning, headed out to like maybe, you know, Virtue Cider and filling up a growler and then stopping at Evergreen Lane and getting my, you know, my uh, locally made cheese or going to Modalis Winery. Um, and getting locally made wine from locally harvested grapes. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just, you know, I, I love it here. I love the people. I love going down to Phil's and having a yeah. cocktail and seeing you, you know, knowing Aww. I'm going to walk in the door and there's going to be people I know and, mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be fun banter. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, you know, I, I really feel like this is becoming our home and there's just so many great people that we know, um, so many great people that we continue to meet. Um, 
Yeah, and I just I really like our life here. I yeah, really enjoy it. There's still there's a lot to, to, that happens still. There's a lot going on. There's you know? always so much going on. Uh huh. And oh, and the Mountain Film Festival at the SCA is coming up. They're correct. Doing it virtually this year, which I'm so excited about. Well, that's what I was going into. Is what they're starting on the 30th. They're had, they're also doing their Hempy Keyboard Series virtual, Ooh. and that's a really neat winter series to go to. They're going to kick it off on January 30th. You can buy tickets at their website. Um, but uh, with Dr. Frank Huang, and uh, and he'll be uh, his p- piano, and uh, and it's kind of like usually uh, tickling the the keys, and a lot of it has to do with <laughs> keyboards, of course. Tickling the keys. Tickling the keys, <laughs> and and um, and so that's a great series. They've done that for many years, and that will yeah. be virtual as well. And upcoming, they've got the art stroll um, over in Douglas, and of course, Sagatuck. Every year they do the winter gallery stroll, yeah. and that's on President's Day weekend. Um, which is also Valentine's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of folks are going to have that extra day off. So it'll give them some, uh, a reason to, you know, get a hotel room, yeah. get a, uh, a little cottage here in town and have a nice weekend and enjoy some of the art around town, like Jeff Blandford here in Sagatuck. Oh, I and, love Jeff. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, and then, of course, fantastic. Jay Petter Galleries and, and uh, all James the great Brand galleries is. in Douglas. Um, and Saugatuck. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, Armstrong de Graff, de Graff and uh, mm-hmm. that, that's a great gallery too over there on Main Street yeah. by the Kids Park. Um, so uh, we've got our next guest coming up, and so let's get that disco ball down as we invite our next guest. Oh, wow, she's making the moves. This on Zoom, she's dancing on her. No, she's not dancing. <laughs> We'd like to welcome. Lori Burkholz, let's give her a big hand. Dr. Lori Burkholz, welcome to the show. <laughs> you might not have heard that. We have a we have a little disco ball, and we like to introduce everybody in, and uh, and uh, I like to tease everybody and let them know that you're shaking it over there and dancing in your in your bedroom or wherever you may be here as we do this through Zoom. Let's cross our fingers and make sure that uh, nothing goes wrong. If it does go wrong, blame CJ. So he's he's our technical guy. So he's the one that we can run after you. You're a board certified family medicine physician and fellowship-trained women's health specialist practicing here in Southwest Michigan. And thank you for providing me a bio. I know that I followed a lot of your uh, Facebook posts when about COVID, and you've been so active and communicative with a lot of us folks. Um, but I wanted to have you on, and, you know, I had COVID myself and uh, was tested negative, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. Where are you, where are you originally from, Doctor? Where did you – are you originally from West Michigan or – From West Michigan, but I'm having a really difficult time hearing you. Okay, we've got it now, Lori. I'm so sorry, Dr. Lori. Um, you are on now, and can you hear me now? Um, I, I can. You're a little bit fuzzy, but I think uh, I think this is better than when it was just a minute ago. Okay, we'll try that. How's that? That's perfect. Ha-ha. 
<laughs> Very good. Um, thanks for coming to the show. Um, I, I was telling our listeners that um, we've been following you on Facebook and all of your wonderful postings. Thanks for being very uh, communicative with us and letting everybody know we are all big fans of yours. I have friends that are huge fans of you. Bertie Holly over there at OPC is always giving you shout outs. And, and I wanted to get to know a little bit more about you. And I've shared already with everybody that you're a women's health specialist here in Southwest Michigan. Um, where are you originally from? Did you grow up here in West Michigan or are you a transplant? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I did not grow up here, Gregory. I grew up in northern Wisconsin on uh, the south shores of Lake Superior. So oh. um, in a lot of ways, a uh, similar community, quite a bit smaller, um, but still, you know, beautiful scenery, uh, wonderful people. Um, and we moved here because my husband was actually born and raised in Sagatuck. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Um, now, do you go to any of the events here in town, like music in the park or sidewalk sales, a lot of the events that uh, we facilitate? or, or oh, are you... absolutely. Oh, okay. absolutely. Was... It's one of the things we love so much about Sagatuck. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I know, you know, some of the locals, there's a handful of them that when we have big events in town and uh, when, when it's a high tourist season, which could be any time of year, um, they'll, they'll be hunkered in their houses and they'll be like, oh, we want to wait until they're, they're done and then we'll come back to town. But that's the one thing I like about music in the park and a lot of those events is that they, they bring both the locals and people from out of town. Um, I was reading that um, you believe in a holistic approach uh, uh, based in lifestyle medicine and prevention. What does that mean? I mean, I, I, holistic. I, I'm starting to drink healthier. I don't know if you were listening earlier, but I'm starting to change my diet. I've got pop out and things like that. Is is that what you're talking about? or? Yeah, that certainly is part of it, Gregory. So, you know, at the core, I just believe that our bodies really are self-healing. And in a lot of ways, we just need to adopt habits that allow our bodies to do just that. Um, I think of having a, you know, a tool bag and as many tools as I can put in it to help partner and guide with my patients so that may include diet, exercise, um, you know, really getting into understanding and knowing my patients, uh, social connections, um, really all aspects of their life when looking at treatment of a medical problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and now you actually you have additional focus at, and towards like female patients, right? And, and their needs and is, but, but you kind of, you kind of know everything, don't you? I mean, it seems like you're very knowledgeable. That's not, when you, you talk about so many different subjects, I feel like you're a regular practitioner, but you really you focus on women, women's health. Yeah. So my background, Gregory is family medicine. Uh-huh. Oh, which- one of the general primary care fields. Um, and so I wish I knew everything. I certainly <laughs> don't. I know, I know. I tell people I know, um, you know, I know a lot, a lot about a lot of things, but certainly, um, you know, have limitations. But yeah, so my background is as a family medicine physician, um, but I went and did some additional training and completed a fellowship in women's health. And so Although my current practice does include men, um, I certainly have some additional training and focus uh, in the area of women's health. So 
Um, I like to tell women I can really provide care from head to toe and everything in between and uh, offer kind of a one-stop shop for women who are just looking for a more convenient and, like I said, holistic approach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to make you blush too much, um, but I'm seeing you through the screen and I can – yeah, you are you are a very healthy, good-looking girl. I don't want to be too, but I, you are a looker. I'll let our uh, uh, listeners know. You, I could tell by – you really take good care of your body. You have, uh, uh, I see you walk around town, run, run around town, and so you're, you're very health conscious um, yourself, right? I, I am and, and really have always been raised in a family that um, believed in being active in whatever way um, you could be, being outdoors, um, and personally just really feel like it's my responsibility to lead by example, um, and so I really make an effort to do that. What is um, Peloton? You're a Peloton addict. And so I looked that up and it's a like a virtual kind of uh, workout thing or what? Yeah. So, you know, it's a stationary bike, um, but it has this large screen. And so you can take classes where you have the instructor in front of you. Um, Now, pre-COVID, you could go into the studio. Their main studio here in the U.S. is in New York City. Um, now it's, you know, just the instructors in the room, but, um, they guide you through amazing workouts and there's a number of different instructors. Um, you can, you know, choose a workout based upon the kind of music you want to listen to. Um, so I've really become an addict. I historically always been a runner. Um, but a couple of years ago developed an injury that really required me to cut back my miles. And so I needed to find, something else that I could get into in the same way I had been into running and Peloton has done the trick. Right, right. When I uh, had Del Sol, and uh, still, when I'm in town, I know that uh, I would always tease the country, cross-country kids, and any runner that came by the store, I would always say, hurry up and get those sales, run, they're almost out, or, you know, they're almost out of pancakes, run, quick. And I remember one year when the um, when our cross-country, Saugatuck High School cross-country, had won the state championship, and the bus came through and went by Del Sol, all the guys yelled out the window, we got the pancakes, Gregory! Yeah. And I, that is so funny. Um, uh, I tried cross country uh, back when I was a freshman in high school, and uh, long ago. And uh, and uh, uh, I had to go through the whole year. My parents made me finish, and I hated it. <laughs> uh, so, um, but. Uh, my idea of working out is, you know, um, I don't know, riding bikes. Um, I'm very active, running around, doing events, you know, um, and things like that. You, um, you would be a good cross-country athlete. Yeah, yeah. Tall. Yeah, and I, and I do a lot of walking as well. Um, I like to walk Oval Beach. I walk Oval Beach all the way from Saugatuck as well and do the steps and then come down. I do that in the winter as well. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's a lot of fun. And um, finding something you enjoy. Right, right. Now, um, you know, I wanted to ask you some questions. I have, I'm having you on because I had COVID. And, um, and I had some weird symptoms. I didn't have the same. I, I didn't uh, run a fever. Um, I didn't lose my sense of smell or taste, I was telling Daniel. And, um, and then also, um, I, I swelled up and then broke out in hives and was nauseous for two days. Uh, before I went to urgent care at Holland Hospital. Um, 
I was exposed and I, I learned a lot myself, but I know there's a lot I'm sure I could learn and our listeners could learn as well. And uh, what, what, what would one do if they're exposed to COVID? What, what should someone do if they're exposed? Yeah, so I think first of all is understanding what the CDC really considers a true exposure um, and, and trying to just be alert to say, okay, was this indeed a true exposure, which requires a period of quarantine and potential testing um, or not? And so in general, a exposure would be if you were within six feet of someone who is known to have COVID for a total of 15 minutes or more. And that's you know, irrespective of mask wearing. So even if both of you were wearing a mask, uh, but you were within six feet of one another for 15 minutes or more total, that would consider uh, be considered a close contact or an exposure. Okay. And so in that setting, um, just several weeks ago, the CD changed their guidelines from a recommended quarantine of 14 days uh-huh. down to a recommended quarantine of 10 days. And that can be even shorter, um, seven days, if an individual has a negative test between day five and day seven. Mm -hmm. Um, Does the CDC, do they recommend uh, getting a test when you're done quarantining? I I don't remember getting that specific order from my doctor, but I wanted to get one myself anyway, just for my own, you know, uh, uh, security. Yeah, so Gregory, in the in the instance of somebody who has tested positive, um, you know, there the recommendation really is a you know ten day isolation from the onset of symptoms, right? So if you develop symptoms, that's day one, and you really should be isolating for ten days. And there is no recommendation to test at the end of those ten days, in large part because we know people oftentimes will continue to shed virus, but are really unlikely to be contagious. And so we tell people at the end of that 10 days, you're likely to continue testing positive, but that doesn't mean you can't leave your isolation. There are a few exceptions, and that would really primarily just be individuals who became severely ill, often, you know, to the extent that there was a hospitalization involved. And then we think it needs to be a longer period of isolation, Mm -hmm. but still really no recommendation uh, to be tested at the end of that isolation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because um, I had heard that too, and that kind of freaked me out when I started reading articles about um, and and so when I did get the negative, you know, uh, response from from the clinic, um, I was overjoyed. Um, And also, um, as I said, um, I you know, reached out to everybody I was close to, you know, that week, uh, leading up to the few days, uh, at least week up to, um, and they had tested negative. Um, so that made me feel a lot better too, because just imagine having that on your shoulders that you may have given it to someone. Oh, absolutely. You know, I find for so many people, that's really the driving force for them to, you know, follow the guidelines that have been set forth with regards to social distancing and mask wearing, right? It's it's far less um, concern for our own safety and more concern for our loved ones and, you know, those vulnerable individuals in our community. Mm-hmm. I'm Yeah, I'm surprised there's also that, that 
that there's not a lot of people that know a whole lot about COVID. And so I was very um, public about it. I put it on my social media and let folks know that I did have it. And I wasn't quarantined. I, I was just trying to get free soup from all the old ladies in town. Um, and uh, it worked. Um, and But um, a lot of people had, still had a lot of questions. They, you know, they just didn't know how to handle it. Um, and, and I think that there can be a stigma sometimes about uh, uh, with COVID. Um, and and it's, it's funny that, you know, you can lay everything out on the CDC website, but then you'll get these weird kind of stories on social media and things like that, that people will, will you know, will bring up suspicions and things like that. Um, but uh, that's why I wanted to have you here, of course. But, but uh, yeah, I think in large part, you know, it, there is still a lot we don't know, you know, even the health experts, um, the people studying this, right? We, mm-hmm. it, it hasn't even been really a year um, that we've been studying this. And so I think the general public struggles, you know, they oftentimes look to the medical community for the answers. But when we're still trying to figure out a lot of those answers, it, it tends to result in people, you know, going to social media or the internet to get answers. And as we all know, that's not always the best place to get your information. <laughs> right. I know when it began being administrator of Sadaba for the business owners, we had a page on the site where folks had all kinds of resources from state resources to local resources uh, about COVID. And, and, uh, and we were kind of happy to take that down as, as folks were getting more educated and people knew where to go for their information. So I was so lucky to be in a community like this and have it and have such a wonderful uh, support here from everybody. And, and I was also surprised to find out many people around our town that had it, but just didn't share it, didn't want to share it. They felt ashamed. Yeah. You know, again, to your point, I think there um, can be shaming that goes on, um, you know, a bit of a stigma questioning if somebody had it, how did they get it right? Were they just not following the guidelines and wearing their mask? But, um, you know, I can tell you, we've tested well over 500 individuals, um, and a lot of them have absolutely no idea how they got it. You know, mm-hmm. they're wearing their masks, they're hand sanitizing, they're doing all of the things we recommend. I was, um, yes. But it doesn't mean you're um, it doesn't mean you're 100 percent protected, right? It certainly is helpful, but we know that uh, there are still things that we can't 100 percent explain. So right. um, now I will tell you that the vast majority of the positives are people who. Um, who were not always following the guidelines and, mm-hmm. you know, actually um, participated in, you know, what we could consider risky behaviors. But right. um, so I don't want to suggest that it's not worthwhile to wear our masks and do those things. But even with the best efforts, um, people may still become infected. Sure, sure. That's that's I, I certainly learned that myself. Um, you know, the different types of COVID tests. And I had the one that was up the nose and I had that twice and it went way up there. And um, I wasn't crazy about that one at all. Are there other tests for COVID? Um, and then, you know, what's the difference between the tests and, and uh, how do I know which one I should have or, you know, or what, which one's more accurate, you know? Yeah, no, those are, that's great questions. So, um, and I think there's still a lot of confusion around testing. So the vast majority of the tests that we have available to look for active infection, right? So the question is, do I currently have COVID? Um, Those tests are almost always going to be a nasal or nasopharyngeal, right? So that's up the nostril, um, 
and it's, you know, the nasopharyngeal would go all the way back. Yeah. Uh. The one that people say, you know, did they swab my brain? Yeah, right. right. That's that's what we refer to as the nasopharyngeal swab. Um, Now, in some settings, people may find salivary testing. So I don't know if anybody really doing that around here um, from a community testing standpoint, but certainly it does exist. Mm -hmm. Again, the vast majority are going to be a nasal or nasopharyngeal. Right. And then from there, there are two different types of tests. So there's what's referred to as a PCR test. And that's really the test that is looking for viral genetic material. Mm-hmm. And so it is considered the most sensitive test. Now that can be sent to an outside lab um, or uh, some settings have rapid PCR testing. So our office, for instance, has the ability to either send it out to one of the larger labs in our community or we can run that test in our space with a results available in about 30 minutes. And that test really, because it is the most sensitive, we sort of think of it as the gold standard. It is the best test for an individual who is not having symptoms. So let's say, Gregory, somebody that had been around you during a period of time Mm -hmm. when you may have been contagious, but they themselves were not having any symptoms, the PCR test really would be the preferred test to try to determine if they potentially were exposed, had the virus, but didn't have symptoms. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you also real quick, um, you know, uh, we're running out of time and, and I want to keep talking and talking and talking. You are wonderful to talk to. You're like a wealth of information. I could just sit and listen to you all day long. Um, and, but, um, but I wanted to ask you, I started taking supplements some vitamins and things like that. Are, is there any kind of like, you know, supplement I can get, I, I go to Lady Hawk over there, Maggie over there, there's different, uh, you know, health food stores and things. Is there any kind of supplement we could take that might help? With COVID? Yeah, that's a great question, Gregory. I will tell you that, again, you know, when we try to, um, I, I really try my best to practice evidence-based medicine, meaning that we've got good, rigid scientific studies that kind of guide. Um, and so in the space of supplements, I can tell you that there certainly is some um, literature to suggest that an individual's vitamin D status may play a role in how well they do um, with a COVID infection. And so in general, those of us who live in uh, this climate tend to have low vitamin D or at least on the low end of the spectrum. So I always encourage um, patients to make sure they're taking vitamin D this time of year. Um, And so that's certainly one thing that I think uh, COVID or not is a really great idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's just some literature that we've had around general immune health um, and the potential for prevention of other uh, illnesses or viruses. And so vitamin C um, and zinc are two other supplements that may help to boost our immune system. Again, don't have a lot of really great literature to look at just how well they perform in helping to prevent COVID, but in most instances, um, they're unlikely to cause any harm. And so the only caveat I would add to that is just always making sure you're checking with your own healthcare provider, because certainly not all supplements um, are without risk and there can be interactions with 
other medications. So mm -hmm. um, always making sure that before you jump into something, you're reviewing those with the healthcare provider. But I love Maggie over at Lady Hawk. So she's a really good resource to helping people sort through what's the appropriate dosing um, and if there may be any red flags with uh, health conditions or other medications. Yeah, she is certainly a smart cookie. That's for sure. Um, uh, but then also real quick, I'd also like to ask you that people are getting the shots right now. I have friends that have gotten it. Um, I know my friend Kimberly Badgerick works at Holland hospital and she got her shot and her second shot as well. And I was wondering, are, are there any side effects and, and, you know, about the shot and, and a lot of people are, you know, asking questions about, about it. Um, are there any kind of side effects and, and how safe is it? Yeah, that's a No, that's a great question. And I think, you know, for a lot of people that's really upfront right now as we're starting to get the vaccine rolled out. So really it is a very safe vaccine. You know, phase three trials have included, um, you know, about 40,000 individuals in the Pfizer trial and about 30,000 people in the Moderna trial. So, you know, we've got almost 80,000 individuals and that's from around the globe. Um, where we have been able to track exactly what you're asking about, not only the efficacy of the virus of the vaccine, but the safety. And it is overwhelmingly a safe vaccine. My message to people is, you know, after the first shot and the second shot, you're likely to have some discomfort in your arm in the sure. same way you would after a flu shot or after a tetanus uh, shot, for instance. Right. And quite frankly, for those individuals who develop you know, a uh, mild fever or some fatigue, um, body aches, that really is just an indication that your immune system is doing exactly what we want it to do, uh, which is building an immune response to that vaccine. And mm -hmm. it is that immune response that's going to protect us in the future if and when exposed to the virus. So again, some people will have some mild symptoms um, or side effects, but uh, really those are anticipated. And uh, I try to look at it from a positive uh, light, which is to say, again, that it just means the vaccine is working and our body is doing exactly what we want it to. Well, thank you. And you know, um, also, where can I, where can, where can folks go if they want questions about? We'll, we'll go right to the CDC website. Do you recommend that? Or are there any other uh, sites that we can follow to learn more about as as we move forward uh, into twenty twenty one and and uh, about COVID uh, and everything that we discussed here? You know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the CDC, I think, really is going to be um, the most comprehensive mm -hmm. site. It, for some people can be a little um, dense, I guess is maybe right. the best way to um, state that. Um, I am always happy to uh, try to field questions. And so people are, you know, more than welcome to follow along on social media. Um, I try to, you know, do some sort of an update or a post when we have new information about covid um, and we're certainly doing consults in our office. So if anybody has a question about should they or should they not be tested, how long should they quarantine, et cetera, um, we're happy to uh, meet with patients and try to help them sort through all that information. Uh, so I think, you know, CDC is a great place to start. But if people are having a difficult time sorting through that information, um, reaching out to your primary care provider or giving us a shout uh, at the office is a great next step. Yeah. So there's a there's, so you're easy. You're reachable. All of these all of this information is reachable. Thanks for coming on the show, Dr. Lori. We certainly appreciate it. 
um, uh, and want to thank you again. Um, so we've learned a lot. Um, so eat good. Vitamins are always good, right? Um, I, I think one thing I learned is I kept my body going as the, that whole week. Even if I didn't want to get up those first couple mornings before my symptoms were going away, I made myself get up and move and be active. So I think I think that yeah, helped. Yeah, absolutely. Helped. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for being on the show, and I look forward to seeing you soon. We also get those updates on that uh, Sagatuck the Help with COVID page that Bertie Holly did uh, on Facebook and of Sagatuck Douglas Awareness page on Facebook. We try to share all your information on those pages as well, and we appreciate you coming on the show and uh, hope you have a terrific Sunday. Thank you, Gregory, and you as well. Take care. Awesome. We'll be right back. This is 927 The Van and 927TheVan.com. We'll be right back. a great wasn't that a great interview with uh dr Lori? oh i just love dr Lori. She, she's such a fantastic you person you couldn't get in with a question because I, well uh, she we just had so much to talk about i want to keep talking to her it, we moved into 7 30 and i was like ah i know she i mean there's just so much great information you can get from her we were talking about stuff going on you know we've got that uh, uh gallery stroll that we were talking about yeah. on president's day weekend and on um that'll be valentine's day it's on a sunday very nice. Um, a week away from my birthday, which is February 7th. Well, happy birthday, Gregory. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. All gifts can be put in front of land sharks. Just put my name on it, and I'll run out and grab it. Um. <laughs> I do have a burning question for you, Gregory. Uh, Who makes the best soup in town? Who makes it? Oh, that's a good question. That's from a all good the question. soup that you received while you were ill. Um, I mean, oh, I, you know, I dare not say that. That's, <laughs> this is too small of a town. Um, uh, but uh, all I the ladies. never get soup again. I'll be democratically correct and, or uh, politically correct. I'll say all the ladies, uh, all the ladies uh, did wonderful, great soup. But uh, going back to the art galleries, um, you know, I used to paint and sculpt. I didn't know that. I used to when I was younger, in my 20s, and uh, uh, took classes, and, and uh, just a few yeah. in college, and, and, uh, but never, you know, wasn't my major or anything. So I kind of, you know, played with it a little bit, and, uh, you know, and decided, um, you know what, I'm going to join the Saugatuck Douglas Art Club. I've been following them, and uh, they renewed their membership. I just met them, um, uh, the group, the whole group, at one of their board meetings the other night and gave them some information about the business association that they were wondering about. Oh, that's great. And, um, and uh, our, uh, that leads into our next guest uh, because I'd like to welcome, uh, if we could bring that disco ball down. And this is Betsy York. She was born and raised in Southern California, and now she lives in Saugatuck right here. And... Um, uh, and I'd like to introduce Betsy York. She's the Betsy. Welcome to the show. Now you're the president of. Are you the president of the Sagatuck Douglas Art Club, or? Well, you know, when you first move to town, you want to meet people, and they say, "Oh, here's some here's somebody fresh. We'll we'll make them president." So yeah, that's how I ended up. I haven't been here three years, and. And, you know, it's something I could offer and help. So I was uh, delighted to step into that role. Um, the real talent in that group is is with the people that have been here a while and the professional artists and the uh, and just the good supporters that uh, are on the board now. We have a terrific board. But, yes, I am sure. the president. 
Sure, sure. Um, yeah, that's you're you're exactly right. That's exactly how it is. Every with anybody that moves into town, and I know Sadaba. I've had so many volunteers over the years. When I find a newbie that's excited to do something, I'm like, "Yep, you're. Yep, you can sign up right here." And um, that's the great special thing about our community that uh, it 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 there's all of us. Everybody everybody participates. So. Um, I want to welcome you to the show. You're from, you're a native from California, Southern California. Is that right? Exactly. A beautiful place. My parents came from the Midwest. So, you know, I'm doing a big circle here, but um, I'm up in a suburb outside of LA and uh, loved, uh, you know, the ocean and the weather and then moved to the Bay Area. And I have had some experience with snow when I lived in Boston for six years, but, uh, um, you know, we had to... uh, uh, decide, you know, California is a gorgeous state. It's mm-hmm. beautiful there. Um, but it's in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's gotten really, really crowded. Yeah. You, when you retire, you don't want to spend your time sitting in traffic. So um, we had to kind of look around and my partner of 22 years is from Michigan. So here we come. <laughs> so, so you've been on both coasts and now you're in the middle. So you're well acquainted with this country now. <laughs> Getting there, I realize I really have to get down to, you know, Ohio and Illinois and mm-hmm. St. And people who we live nearby are all from those areas. So we have a lot of resources to pull from to learn and do some local travel. It'd be great. Yeah. And I, and I know regions have different personalities, but are people really that different? Well, uh, and in versus you know both sides of the coast of Boston versus the west side of California, is there really diff- Are they really that different? Well, here's what I noticed when I was in Boston. It was um, in the '70s, and uh, you know, there's a saying about Maine. Um, you know, if you've been there three or four generations, they finally acknowledge you. Uh, there is a, a reserve when you first meet people back in the '70s. I don't know what it's like now. We're all becoming more cosmopolitan, but. There was a little reserve, and then they'd open up and be wonderful. And But when I moved back to L.A., I noticed that, um, hey, I could strike up a conversation with somebody in the in the market line, and they would chat with you, which they wouldn't in Boston. So they'd be friendly at first, and then, of course, they'd have to figure out if you were a friend or not, and, and then, you know, you run into human nature. But, yeah, I, I sensed a little bit of that um, from east to west. And now in the Midwest, of course, it's like decades later, um, there's, um, you know, in Saga though, people are so darn friendly anyway. It's hard to mm-hmm. compare Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, it's you, just a really good spirit of helping people and being friendly. Yeah. And, and you have quite a, quite a, a, a background here. Uh, you worked with Procter and Gamble. Um, you've also, um, in some, uh, along with some other things, uh, uh, you were a business administrator yourself for a church. And then you also, uh, did some nonprofit fundraising. So it sounds like you've got some experience. I know um, uh, that's one of the most uh, challenging things of a nonprofit. I know that myself is uh, is uh, raising funds. Well, it is a challenge. Um, I don't know. I liked it. Um, it's when you find people that are um, really happy to try to share what they have. It's a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um I uh, so I kind of think now I've been in the corporate nonprofit and entrepreneurial and religious sector. So I've got a lot of different points of view on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And fundraising is is great when you um, you have a good cause and you have good people to work with and uh, and it works out well. I try to support the local events here and a lot of nonprofits here, too. It's yeah, we. A tremendous amount of work. Nonprofits do a tremendous amount of work in this mm-hmm. country. 
Mm-hmm. They they certainly do. Um, tell us a little bit more about the art club. Um, you know, I just joined, and I know I know some of the girls that are on there, and I know Daniel will have a couple questions for you as well. But um, tell me why um, why was the club started? When was it started? Uh, it started in around 1953 because um, there was a, a rumor that, or I guess there was a fact that the budget, the art budget for the schools was going to be cut. And uh, the the people involved at that time said, well, that can't happen. This is this is Sagatuck, Douglas. And so they put on a, an art fair to uh-huh. raise money to give it to the schools. Oh, right. Supporting the programs in art and to um, provide some supplies for the art program. And frankly, that still is what one of our primary missions is to do that, hence the uh, Waterfront Invitational right. in the July 4th weekend, uh-huh. uh, and then the, uh, the Village Fair, which is at the end of July, around the time of the Venetian Festival. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Raise money, and we uh, give $5,000 a year to the... Um, to the school system here in Saugatuck to provide, and Douglas, the elementary school, uh-huh. uh, supplies uh, nice. managed by um, uh, Miss Missy and uh, Danielle, and uh, and then we give scholarships. We think we've given a hundred thousand dollars in scholarships. Wow. We give dollars a, a semester to as many students that need it to continue their education. Uh huh. Yeah, those are the- qualified art school. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot of money. That's great. Five thousand a year. That's that's substantial. You know, and and yeah, you're. Well, that's just the, that's just the materials. I mean, we give another maybe ten thousand for um, scholarships when there's a full host of kids. So sure. Not doing the um, the fair this year uh, meant we fortunately had a bit of reserves and we were able to supply uh, scholarships to the kids that that needed it this year. But we're a little down, so we're looking yeah. forward to yeah. having the first. Oh sure, yeah, those are great shows. By the way, I know I've. Uh, decorated my house with many of the wares over the years from both of those places, both of those uh, art shows. And again, the the first one is usually on 4th of July weekend, and that's over in Cook Park, right? Over by uh, the Butler Restaurant? Right, right. Uh-huh. That's where it has been, although maybe we'd be talking to the city council and try to get it up by the uh, the tennis courts downtown a little bit. I'm not sure where we're going to have it this year, but... Sure. Uh, um, yeah, that's where it usually is. Yeah, and that's in July third this year, I think. I like the Village Square area. That's a great spot for the art fair. Um, uh, you know, it's right there by the restrooms. Um, there's the playground where kids could go play a little bit while Mom does some shopping. Um, so, but uh, yeah, that's a great spot for it. And I always look forward to those art fairs every year. I know Daniel has has a couple questions for you as well. You have any questions for? You know, Betsy, I don't know if I have an artistic bone in my body. <laughs> and I was just wondering, is, is the art club just for, you know, very talented artists? Um, do you have to be a professional to join? Uh-huh. Yeah. It, well, you yeah, repeat that? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, yeah. Daniel was asking you that um, if you want, had any. What was that, Daniel? Betsy, I don't know if I have an artistic bone in my body, um, but I am interested in art. So I was just wondering, do you have to be a really talented artist to join the art club? Um, or can you just uh, have a general interest? Yeah, he was wondering. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Our technical difficulty. But I, I'll, I'll relay. He, he's not an artist, and, and he doesn't have a whole lot of art 
uh, knowledge. And he was wondering, do you have to be a professional artist to be uh, a member of the Sagatuck Douglas Art Club? Oh, no way. You don't have to be. <clears throat> you can... It, it certainly helps if you enjoy art, and uh, but you don't need to have any skill. Uh, you can. We have all kinds of things to do that are fun <clears throat> for people to uh, try their hand at something or to just listen. We have people that are just art supporters. They go to museums. They like that. And they might find uh, one of our programs that are really high-quality programs that uh, Mary Jo Lomansky just gives her heart to these things. Mm-hmm. And she has produced some programs which means we get together once a month and we have a presentation or something. We listen to artists talk about their work or we people create things and share them with each other or there's a lecture or something. So you don't need to really have any artistic background, but an interest in art helps. So, And then we have professionals that are involved in the, in the club and then we have amateurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I consider myself an amateur having <clears throat> carried my art supplies around for 45 years and never <laughs> done anything with them. There's a lot of members who are like that, who move here and they want to get that art box open and they want to get going just like Greg Muncy. You yeah, you're right. That, yeah. <laughs> I, I have like a slew of art, art, art projects uh, and, and boxes and things. So, but is, is it just for painters or, you know, cause I see a lot of paintings is the art club only just for people that paint or can you do other mediums or how not everybody's welcome. We have sculptors, half our border fabric artists. We have all kinds oh. of art is welcome. Photography, um, you know, you could do yarn, knitting, anything is, is art. But there is an image out there that it is painters who do watercolors outside. And that is one of the programs we have. And they are darn good watercolors, too. I wouldn't uh, put that down by any means. They are great watercolorists. Um, so that's like one of the little groups that meets is um, um, watercolor people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I come there and, you know, I can do watercolor a little bit, but mostly I like to watch them. It's really fun. And if you haven't been around an artistic environment in a while or even at all in your life, it's just great being around people that are creative, that are doing these things. It It's inspirational is what it is. Yeah, it certainly is. And I know the club offers a lot of things. And you guys uh, usually meet at the um, art uh, facility at Saugatuck High School. Has been in the past. Is that true? Well, that's just one of the programs that we have. We, um, you know, we needed to, uh, we had a request uh, for people. Well, how can we just get together and support each other in Uh our art? Those of us that didn't have, you know, studios or needed to work with other people. Um, I just started this Wednesday afternoon open studio, and now it's part of what what the club does. And you just bring your supplies, and the art building at the high school is beautiful. Um, and we work with Danielle and the, and the staff there, and we can come in and work for a couple hours. And uh, it's formed a, a really nice group of people that, um, and we're always welcoming new people. Whatever you want to bring in, you could do, whatever art you want to do there. Um, Also have had um, a student come and model for us. If you wanted to do what live drawing, like a model model, like, you know, like with clothes on. Okay. That's why I said a student, a student come with clothes on. Uh, But um, so we did that for a while. 
too. And, you know, the price of membership is $25 for the year, and that's pretty reasonable. And then you have access to all these things. Right. Uh, you can certainly come and, and check out the programs for a while. You can do the sketchy moments, the open studio, the mm. regular program, see if you like it, and then join up. So uh, we're not going to bar you at the door. Mm. Mainly, um, some of our other programs that happen or other things have been at different locations. Oh, okay. uh, one at the History Center, another was at the SCA, and one was at the Water Street Gallery. Oh, okay. All right. Um, are you guys going to have your um, annual garage art sale that you have where, uh, you know, that gives people a chance to maybe try out a new uh, pro, uh, art medium or something that, and everybody has them? For, I know you've had a few of them over the years. Are you going to do that again this year? Uh, not this year. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the club was has been in existence and was really good. And then they had to kind of hone down into the basic Things it got a little, a little um, uh, sparse with membership in the last few years, mm-hmm. and then um, a couple of people, Bonnie Lowe and Krista Wise, helped rejuvenate the club, and we built up the board. So we're not um, doing the um, that kind of show right now, and uh-huh. I think it's a great idea. We might do it again. I I looked in the archives and saw that it was there. Yeah. Oh, Clothesline show or something? But yes, the clothesline art show. That's yeah. a tradition. Um, used to be, it's been different places, but I know it's been at, used to be at Berry Field a lot over in Douglas. And then I know it's also yeah, we're, been. We're, yeah, we're not doing that this year. And, and I, it's not quite on the on the horizon for the future right now. That was my first time that I was in the paper at Holland Sentinel was when I was visiting. It was the first year I was here. It was 2007, I think, or maybe it was the following year, 2008. And I was at the art fair, and I had my overalls on, and it was at the clothesline show, and they put that big picture right on uh, on their page, uh, Holland Sentinel, talking about the story, and uh, and that was my first time in media here on the West Side. Oh, fabulous, <laughs> fabulous! Well, yeah. I think it's a great idea, and I'd like us. Many artists are looking for ways to d- display their art and expand it, and um, if they become a member of our art club, they can. Uh, post some artwork on our website and use it as a link if they want to promote themselves. That's a benefit of membership there. And what's your website so folks know? Yeah, it's uh, Soglis. 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 <laughs> I love that. That's, that's where we get to have three communities together. Yeah, or Dog Attack. Dog Attack. Sogatuck Douglas Art Club.org. Oh, okay. Uh, we're so grateful to have Sally Winthers uh, managing our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just a treasure in the community. And then, of course, we've um, you can find all kinds of things on there. It's it's updated and kept up to date uh, with pictures and samples and things. We're going to have we're beefing up our um, our um, online programs. Oh. So um, because you know we might be wearing these masks a while. Mm-hmm. So we're and. That's putting together a, a, a show and tell kind of thing. Um, and then Mary Jo's going to put together some programs for later in the year. Um, Judy Anthrop has been another treasure. I mean, she just knows everybody and she's put together mm-hmm. some classes. I don't think they'll be online, but we're waiting for that. We have locations for them. Uh, so that'll be a new, a new thing we're going to do. And you have so, been sharing your uh, creative exercises. So you've been keeping everybody with projects that they can do, um, even though we're all at home right now. Exactly. That comes out once a month. And uh, 
if you um, read about it uh, or go on the website and participate, you can do it anonymously. And I've had, actually, we're, we're calling the members now and sort of seeing how they're doing and getting their feedback. Um, I had one who um, said, well, now I'm a little intimidated to do this. And I said, look, just, just put anything together. Take a picture of a chair in a, in a garden, whatever is kind of related to the, to the request. And it's fun to just figure out how to make it uh, happen. Mm-hmm. And you don't professionally, you don't, you can hardly just whatever is the experience of you inside you as creating something is fine. I, I, and I could be wrong, but I think your creative juices come out better when you're not, it's not a competition. You're just expressing yourself in your medium and the way you want to. And, and so, you know, it's not who, who paints a better line or who, you know, um, and everybody wants to be a good artist, of course, you know, you, everybody wants to be good at everything they do. Um, well, it's so vulnerable. I mean, people can see what you're doing and you just have to say, this is me. This is what I'm doing. I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun. I mean, the miracle of covering a white canvas with something or taking sticks and turning them into a horse. I mean, it's just fabulous. Yeah. That sticks into a horse. I, I saw that, that, uh, entry at the, uh, Grand Rapids, the big art show that they do there a few years ago. And I know uh, John, who formerly owned uh, the Hercules restaurant, he had bought one of those horses and was in the garden there. And, um, and, uh, and they had sold those horses around. They were actually in the water. They're like they were coming out really? of the water is how they had that installation at the Art Prize. Oh, that's beautiful. And Art Prize is coming back this year. Very exciting. Yeah, uh, they say. So, um, so you have to keep a lookout for that. So, um, so Betsy, have, hasn't it been nice outside? Yesterday was gorgeous, wasn't it? Yes, a lot of people out walking around and stuff. The weather's been great. And, I mean, knock on wood, we hardly got any snow this round ago. So, uh, uh, so we've been lucky so far. What, now, once it does get snowy and the snow comes down, do, do you do any outdoor activities? Do you, do you like to go hiking or anything like that? I just bought some snowshoes this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I just go a little bit around the meadow here at the condos, but <laughs> right, it's fun. And yeah. uh, um, I slipped on the ice and broke my wrist last year, so I'm a little cautious. Oh, jeez. <laughs> snowshoes are great. Um, right. You know, if we can bundle up, then out we go. It's right. great fun. Beautiful area. Yeah, yeah, certainly is. And um, now uh, we were talking with Daniel here about cooking and, and, and Dustin, and a lot of us are cooking right now. I know I am. I'm sharing a lot of I'm my recipes. Trying to. I made chili last night, and and um, and what I do is every time I make chili, I'll take the leftovers. I just throw it in the food processor, and I make chili sauce. Oh, there you it's go. It's perfect for chili sauce. But what would you guys do a lot of cooking, Betsy, when uh, uh, during this time of year yourself? Um, well, I don't cook, and thank heavens I live Woo! in. Some- <laughs> um, but I eat just about anything. But you know, we had a, an art program um, where it was um, food is art. Uh huh. You would have loved it if you loved to cook. Yes, and I people, would. People brought food that they had um, made into some sort of art form, and it was beautiful. Huh. It was just, just, there was so much creative food there, and we had to eat it, so that was a problem. <laughs> so was it tasty, too? Because, I mean, it you know. tasty, too. Oh, okay, yeah. because, I mean, you know, how do you make it, something look really cool and that tastes really good at the same time? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that's funny. Yeah, so. that was in, I think that was in February, and it was a blizzard, and there were 40 people there. So there was a strong demand for what the art club is offering and people looking for that kind of creative. It's a community, really. Everybody's in a community. Everybody's an artist. That's mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. look at it. 
Now, um, if somebody wants to donate to the art club, they can certainly go to your website and reach out to you because certainly community support and and supporting the arts here in town um, and making a contribution to you makes a contribution to the culture of our area. Um, so you have said it better. That's absolutely perfect. We do online donations, and uh-huh. it's great. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. And uh, so, you can, you know, other than just being a member, you can uh, donate as well. And and uh, you can reach Betsy York for that uh, over there at uh, that is called SaugatuckDouglasArtClub.org. Is that correct? That's correct. So you're an orgy right. instead of a commie. Well, right. that, that's not an odd. Of course, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're an org instead of a com. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's like Saugatuck Center for the Arts uh, as yeah. well. Well, hey, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, I, hey, aren't you glad this worked this time? Remember last week? It is so good you've got it working. And it's my <laughs> chat with you. It's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. And I look forward to seeing you at uh, some of our events, either uh, on this little screen or in person again. Mm-hmm. I look up. Uh... This show it's really informative for the people in the community. Yeah, I try to leave the, a lot of airtime for my guests. Um, I really like uh, you guys. Um, I, you know, I, I try to think of some questions to ask, and and and. Uh, but I I really want to showcase the reason why we started this show was to showcase the culture and the personality of our area and the brighter things of life. Um, so so yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and, uh, and, uh, if you want to, uh, you can stay on for the rest of the show or you can listen to our podcast that'll be available on our website at 92.7.com, uh, the van.com. And, uh, that'll be available usually about an hour or two after the show. And that way you can hear the whole thing for yourself. Thank you for coming on. Let's give a big round of applause to our guest, Betsy York, the president of the Saga Tech Douglas Art Club. And uh, and want to thank her for coming on. And I want to thank you and thank our sponsors, Charming, Sagatuck Rentals, the Interurban Transit Authority, Back to the Fuchsia Flower Shop, where I'll be spending my time making flowers the next few days, um, all the way through Tuesday. So come and order some flowers. We have been busy. And you don't have to wait until Valentine's Day to get something special for your special someone. I'll say that again. And of course, our wonderful sponsor, Mill Pond Realty. They're your experts when you're looking to get an escape from this crazy world and hang out with us crazy people in Saga Douglas area. We have lots of places to explore and have fun. Thanks for tuning in to Saga Tuck on Sunday on 927thevanandthevan.com. 927thevan.com, that is. We'll be right back. Welcome back. That was a very informative segment there with Betsy York, wasn't it, Daniel? Yeah, art is always interesting. Yeah, art is always interesting, isn't it? Um, And and I'm I'm excited to uh, get back with... um, get back with uh, my paint brushes and sculpture and clay like that and things like that. And so that's kind of exciting. Um, you know, lots of things going on. And um, I wanted to remind our listeners that, um, you know, a great way to support our small businesses here um, and uh, whether you want to, you know, purchase something now or, you know, thinking about a future vacation um, is to shop at our local businesses. And a great way to do that is to purchase Sadaba Bucks. 
Oh, it's actually a great deal. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, Sadaba bucks are just like cash, and you purchase them for purchase them for face value, and you sell them and you redeem them at all Sadaba businesses. So, um, and Sadaba serves uh, between 150 200 business, almost 200 businesses throughout the area, and uh, and you can redeem those just like cash and give them out as gifts. We just completed a great program, and I want to give a big thank you and a shout out to Consumers Energy who provided a grant to. Sadaba. And it, uh, it was a uh, match-for-match program. If you bought $50 worth of Sadaba bucks, you got 100 bucks to spend in town. That's if amazing. you bought 200 you got 400 So we limited it up to a $300 purchase, and they sold out in 13 hours in that program. In the last month, we've sold over $20,000 worth of Sadaba bucks. And, uh, and, uh, and so you'll go through town. I've uh, been visiting our merchants and re-educating everybody on how to use Sadaba bucks to our merchants. And we have these cute little signs with a little deer on it. And it says, Buck Stop. And uh, the Buck Stop's there. So if you'll <laughs> see those little signs throughout town, you'll know you can use those uh, Sadaba bucks at that store. So... Um, it's been a great show, I think, um, and I'm really super excited about our next guest because I've known uh, I've known her for a little bit now. Um, uh, I met her before she became uh, a representative, uh, the 80th rep- uh, 80th district representative for the state of Michigan uh, when I was at Del Sol. Um, and over the years, uh, she has been host to many of our shows. Uh, she's been uh, uh, our MC for uh, a few fashion shows and and has done a wonderful job. And I'd like to get that disco ball down because I'm not married to dance while she's walking up to the disco mic and the ball is turning. Wow, look at those moves. Wow, Mary, settle down, Mary. Wow, she can, she's really got Welcome, Mary Whiteford. <laughs> Mary Whiteford, she's our... Uh, she's our... Sparkles from your globe. It's just kind of freaking me out. <laughs> she's um, she's a 80th district um, representative here, and uh, 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 by popular vote both times, I was looking. Wow, you, they, you can tell that you certainly do represent your district. Um, uh, uh, but uh, I wanted to introduce to everybody Mary Whiteford. Welcome to the show. Well, introduce again, I guess. Yeah, good morning, Gregory. So yeah. glad to be here today, and I'm so excited to see you on that, or to hear you on that side of the microphone. Yeah. It's always, you're always such a very positive person to be around, and I love it. Well, thank you, and and thanks for coming on the show. I learned quite a bit about you when, uh, you know, even though we've been friends and I've known some things about you, um, uh, uh, and I did know that you were a nurse, uh, uh, and, and you registered your uh, Northern Illinois University. That's where you went to school, got your degree there. Um, but you were a nurse for quite some time over at the Children's Memorial Medical Center. Um, there, you were there till what, 1999, or you were there for quite a while. Yeah, for about 15 years, I spent five years in neurosurgery and floated around after I had my son, and then a solid 10 years in the emergency room. There, it was a level one trauma center. I was in, I was a charge nurse a lot, and mm-hmm. um, just loved it. Yeah, loved my experience there. But I found I had three children. And a husband who was working a lot of hours, and I couldn't do everything. Right. We just passed the baton of parenthood, so I decided to stay home with my kids and get more involved in my community at yeah. the same time. Yeah, nursing's a hard job. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really is. Those those girls really put it in there. I've got uh, uh, relatives and friends and uh, that are in nursing and I and uh, they really put in the hours. Those are folks like teachers. They're doing they're doing their job because they want to do it. They're not doing it to be rich. Uh, they're doing it because it's something their heart and their passion is for. So that speaks uh, uh, volumes about your character, of course. Yeah, um, I loved how impactful it was. So, so just like teachers, you know. So, um, uh, so, so you, you, you got out of nursing and I saw, of course, uh, your, your husband, Kevin Whiteford, uh, at Whiteford Wealth Management. They're also Sadaba members, uh, uh, there in South Haven. And so you became a uh, part of, a uh, part of your husband's business, right? Yep. I, you know, you've got to be able to learn something new. So he does tax and financial. I worked in the office for about a year mm-hmm. and then realized that, uh, I was I was good at it, but our marriage was better when we weren't around each other twenty four seven. No, but and then um, just got involved in other things as well. Always kept my RN though, because I worked so hard to get it. Um, I maintained that, and I, I switched it over to Michigan. I haven't practiced as a nurse, but I still have my stethoscope, and I still <laughs> reach out and help. I know one of my colleagues. Uh, I was on the phone with her at the hospital yesterday because she caught pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. There's always little things you can pull back from my nursing experience and put it into practical use. So tell me something. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I think a lot of folks think, um, you know, oh, golly, I would never want to do what that person does. And, and, and uh, uh, what, what made you think that you wanted to be a politician? Yeah, I, actually, I met some representatives and I'm like, wow, they're just regular people with a lot of responsibility. And I just watched it over and over and over again and realized, you know, I might be good at that. So uh-huh. on a wing and a prayer, I ran for office. I lost the first time, oh. but I came back and I won the second time by a very large margin. Yeah. And so March 15th, it'll be um, five years. Wow. I've been a state representative now. Wow. And you know what? I've, I'm able to use all my nursing skills and problem solving. So I had a friend reach out right before Christmas. Um, she had a foster baby. And that baby was from the other side of the state. And she said, Mary, I'm just so sad because this baby is is just coming to me during the week, goes back to the, the semi-permanent foster family. Well, that family doesn't want him anymore. I want to adopt him, but they won't let me because of COVID. I said, okay, tell me, give me the baby's name. Tell me where the baby is. Um, I got a call out there. She had that baby in her arms permanently the next day. Oh, what a great story. Uh, so it's little things like that. And then another, right before, about a week after that, I had somebody message me through Facebook and say, um, Mary, I've got uh, my grandpa's 90 years old. He's been in this nursing home in Holland for, and I haven't been able to see him and he's dying and they won't let anybody in. I said, okay, what's his name? What nursing home is it? Um, and it was 10 at night. I reached out to my contact and she was able to go in with her family the next day. Oh, that's so great. it's those little things. Sure. That are, you know, they don't they don't get out on the airwaves, but it's little connections that I can do when somebody reaches out for help. Yeah. And that's been really, really special. Yeah. When I when I think about, you know, wanting to be a politician, I don't want to get beat up by everybody or at least half of the people or whatever, you know, because you're, you're never going to make everybody happy. Um, uh, and, and, uh, and, and I see, and I see that a lot, you know, uh, of course, when it comes to politics, but, you know, I really wanted to talk about, um, you know, your accomplishments. I understand this is your last term. You're not going to run again, huh? This is it. Um, Michigan is term limits. There's oh, that's right. In the country. 
And ours are actually the most severe, mm-hmm. being limited to three two-year terms. But hey, it is what it is. It gave me an opportunity to run for office. Um, and I've learned so much. So I just know I have to work in rabbit fashion as fast as possible to get as much done as I can. Mm-hmm. So I've got a, a great team in the office and I'm like, okay, what next? What next? Right. So actually one of the things I didn't get a chance to tell you, um, when I was on the Michigan Women's Commission before I served, I learned about human trafficking and I worked on spreading the information about that and mm-hmm. um, helping educate uh, healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. So last year, um, I decided because nobody in Lansing was talking about human trafficking. So I hosted a, an awareness day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a survivor come in and tell her story. And we ended up with this 22 bill package recommended by the Human Trafficking Commission wow. through the attorney general's office. With COVID and hardly any session days, we weren't able to get any movement on that package. So I'm like, OK, let's get this going. So next a week from Wednesday, we're going to have an awareness day again, present all those bills. And I have a survivor who wants to talk about how important expungement was for her, because that's part of this package to get that felony off of her record. Right. And then a huge thing I heard about last year, and I almost got scolded by a survivor and police officers. They're like, you guys aren't doing anything about um, where survivors go when they're pulled out of the life. They need safe housing in a place where they're not exploited. They're so used to being exploited. These people are that it's really important to have standards. So I've worked for the past year, worked with the um, crime victims Mm -hmm. um, department within DHHS. And so we're coming up with a plan so that we can have safe housing, safe housing standards. And so I've got another, that one survivor who told me her story and said, you've got to do something. Uh So she's gonna come testify about that. And then the person from the crime victims area within the department is going to talk about a plan going forward. And then I chaired the state on the DHHS budget, Department of Health and Human Services budget, which currently is $28 billion. Uh And I said, I'm going to make sure that we prioritize funds so that we can offer these services that are so important. Wow. So that's a week from Wednesday. Wow. So just another thing, you know, I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. I, that's, I'm, I'm like overwhelmed. You know, there's so much that you've accomplished and that you're working on that folks just don't know about because I don't know when, when they go on, you know, wherever they get their news. Uh, unfortunately, many people get it from social media uh, yeah. or wherever, um, you know, they get a picture of someone that, that, you know, it just doesn't tell the whole story all the time. Um, you know, um, uh, you've got a great reputation, but with all this stuff, it's even, it's, it's amazing that you helped all, did you do three bills that you, that you passed, uh, uh, within the last few years? Um, um, oh, quite a bit more, but I think that the biggest, the biggest lifts, as I call it, were ones in relation to mental health. Yes. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so, so I've had a bunch of different ones. One of them, actually, so going back, like, <clears throat> one, <clears throat> excuse me, one of my first bills, uh-huh. I found out in the Allegan State game area, they weren't telling people when there was a, a, a prescribed burn. And so the people at Valley Township said, look, they did this prescribed burn. Um, people in the community called the fire department, the fire trucks showed up, uh-huh. and we had to pay for that. Right. So I'm like, well, why don't we have a way to communicate ahead of time? Sure. So we did get that bill signed into law. Well, there's a prescriber and the DNR has to tell the locals that it's going on. Uh, so that was one of my truly elegant county bills. Right. But one I found, you know, as I traveled around the county, I've been to thousands and thousands of houses and mm. talked to people. And I found out, you know, when somebody's in mental distress, 
are in a crisis, if they reach out for help and they find that there's nobody there, they think there's nobody ever going to be there ever. So they never ask again. Right. So I'm like, you know what? We need a crisis line so you can call and actually talk to somebody and find somebody who lives in your local community who can help you. Mm-hmm. And then if you're really bad, they can call the police, take you to a psych unit, whatever's necessary right. along the entire continuum. So this took me three years to convince um, almost all, I ended up getting a hundred out of 109 representative votes. Oh, wow. And I think I, out of 38 senators, I think I had three no's, but I got an overwhelming majority. I know who would think it but seems like a like, no brainer oh. to me. Yeah. Well, they thought it was going to be a duplication. There were all these other hotlines. Well, I worked so hard with everybody that it's actually going to be the one point for the suicide hotline for crisis for all these things. Um, and it's going to be a data house for every psychiatric bed in the state. Um, but what's really cool is you can call and you can find somebody who's nearby. Nobody's thought of this in the entire country, but mm-hmm. we got it done. But I had to work really, really hard. That's I had funny. to find it just people seems... in the department yeah. willing to do it. I had to find funding. Um, sure. But we did it, and Governor Whitmer signed it back in February. I think that's so, great. So, mm-hmm. so people now um, will have this hotline to reach out to. And um, and uh, and they're keeping as my understanding that there's going to be a database of beds mm-hmm. um, uh, throughout. Is that throughout the state? Yep, throughout the state. That's right great. Now, I know I went and talked to some people over at Holland Hospital. Sometimes half the, the ER were psychiatric patients, people in crisis. Right. And sure. Then what oh, happened, I, I hear that too. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody does need a psychiatric bed in a hospital. The nurses actually call hospital after hospital after hospital trying to find a bed that works for them. All right. And I'm like, well, why don't we have just one database? Because we have that for trauma services. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, yeah, that's a good idea. So, <laughs> so I got that signed in law two years ago. But now we put it on pause so we could work it into this the MICAL, Michigan Integrated Crisis and Access Line. Oh, that's So great. that's going to be all in that hub. And a police officer can call in and find out where a psychiatric bed is if because a lot of times they know, they know their community. Um, uh-huh. An ER nurse can call, a mom can call, anybody can call, text. It's supposed to be any type of communication method that you've got. Uh-huh. So it's rolling out this quarter of 21 over on the east side of the state. <clears throat> they already contracted with the, the people who are going to answer the phones. They're professionals. They do this. They're very experienced. And then it's going to roll out to the rest of the state. I would think by summer or fall, I'm getting an update tomorrow. Oh, okay. All right. Great. Great. And, yeah. it, and it just seems like, you know, you think that, well, didn't we already have that? Right. You know, it just seems go. like that, you know, you, th- you just figure you already had. And, you know, uh, you wrote on a, a lot of bills. I noticed you have 100% attendance and voting record. Is that true? Yes. So you're always Over there. 3, you're mm-hmm. always voting. Are there some people that aren't so 100%? Do we have Surprisingly, folks? surprisingly. Really? There, there's not that many that are 100%, maybe 20, wow. 20 out of 110. That surprises me. Yeah, for any number of reasons. It may be health problems. I know somebody had a baby, missed some time. But I just think um, for how few days we're actually physically in session, because you can tell from the bills and the things I work on. Yeah. My work doesn't happen just when I'm in session. It's Uh actually seven days a week. Sure. But when you do make it into session and when they do have those days, I don't know why you can't figure out a way to make it. But the COVID has made things a little more difficult for people if they had to be quarantined. Mm -hmm. I was never exposed. I got my antibodies tested. 
it was negative. That's so great. I think it's my nursing experience. I always wash my hands, sure. wear my mask, you know, yep. keep a distance. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been really blessed that way that I haven't been sick at all. But yeah. my mom's 77 and she has lung problems. So I'm always really vigilant because I'm worried about her. Sure. Yeah, I had friends that were very concerned with mine because um, I'm sometimes a smoker. <laughs> ah! <laughs> everybody hates that about me. I get yelled at about it all the time. But I had I had one friend that, you know, she said she was especially worried um, because I was a smoker. However, I was lucky. I did not have respiratory symptoms, uh, so oh, I was I was very lucky with that. So, um, but uh, but uh, so Mary, you've got uh, three kids, huh? I do. Let's talk about yeah. your kids and your family. Yes, yeah, uh, thirty-three. Uh-huh. He's married to Carrie, and they have three kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, Reese Beckham and Novak. Mm-hmm. So, and then Elise is married to Laura. Uh-huh. They live in. Everybody's in South Haven. Oh wow! And then Penn is with Kate. And they've been together for about five years now. So hope to hear some wedding bells at some some point. So I've got a real great family. My mom's nearby too. So, so I'm really blessed. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. What no- I hear about people who are struggling so much too, especially with all the isolation. One of my friends, her son wrote a poem because he's in high school. Just talking about um, basketball is the reason he went to school. It's the reason that got him up and going. And he didn't have that. So there's so many struggles. That's why having this crisis line and a warm handoff to actual care is right. so important. But I also, the other bill, and I had mentioned it too, is yeah. um, CSUs. So you can take a loved one to a crisis stabilization unit mm-hmm. when these start getting developed. We've got the licensing structure signed into law two weeks ago. So we'll be able to have these scattered throughout the state is my hope, where if you're in a crisis or a police officer goes to somebody's house, they find that they're suicidal. They can take that person directly to one of these units, get care from the moment they walk in, find out if they need a long-term admission. They can take, get that started right then and there and then take care of them for 72 hours. And most people can be um, stabilized within that first those first three days. So we've got that. And then I've, the third one I mentioned to you is that yes. um, um, we have psychiatric hospitals and kids can be in there for up to a year or more, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but then because those kids are still there and they're not ready to go home, um, there's a big bottleneck in the system. And so there's a waiting list. So kids who are in crisis are on a oh, waiting geez. list to get into a psychiatric hospital. So what my other legislation sets up is PRTFs, psychiatric residential treatment facilities uh-huh. for kids. So right. more of a home-like setting, not quite so strict and structured, but with the supports that the kids need to get the stable kids out of the hospital and into these PRTFs and try to ease that bottleneck. Right. So, and it's just listening to my community and finding out what's important. Um, and that's where um, these ideas come from and getting it practical and then and then fighting to convince all my legislator friends <laughs> that, that it's going to work. Yeah. So, right. so those are the, the big three in mental health and just major, major bills that um, I was able to make get through the end and the governor to sign into law. Now, when I, when I watch things about bills and, and people making bills and, and things like that, it, and it, it always sounds like, and you know, these huge bills you see on, on the news, you know, they're like this thick, 
you know. And all you're trying to do is get a call center going or something. Are, are the are these the same kind of the same kind of bills? I mean, is there is this the kind of bill where you also have something else in there, like you know, a three thousand dollars screw for the toilet in the uh, bathroom, or you know what I mean? Is I, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm That's trying to be funny. Question. But is but when you when you pass a bill. You know, for something that's good, like you've done, are there there is those things that you have to give and take to others to support your bill, or how does that work? Um, let's see. How can I explain this? Yeah. Um. Okay. We have what I got into was the mental health code. Right. So we have something called the mental health code that affects everything mental. Sure. And so I actually did amendments to that code. Okay. So so it may be this big, but there's just line items within there uh-huh. that. I changed to add this language and I can't do it myself. So there's actually, we have LSB legislative service bureau. These are attorneys who know the the laws, every single line inside and out. And they figure out, I go to them and say, Hey, this is what I'd like to do. And then we have a communication and figure out, well, where can we put it into law to make it work? Right. So the one thing that was added into my crisis bill actually was another, another bill that didn't make it through. And that's to have high school, um, is it called now? Uh, There's special high schools, recovery high schools uh-huh. for students who are having a lot of difficulty. So that actually ended up right in the the end of my bill, uh-huh. but they are just amendments. Now, when you talk about money, that's in an appropriations bill. Every year we have one and we start out with a shell bill, which is basically blank that mm-hmm. we plug everything into. And then all the line items get in there. Now, I, my bill starts out as the DHHS budget bill. Right. And that's that's a $28 billion. So that is 100 and 150 pages. Yeah. Every single thing is itemized out. But within there, there's a lot of items baked in that I really don't see unless my fiscal people look in. So it's right. really, really complicated. So right. when you're putting in like an actual toilet or something, we just appropriate funds for like buildings and stuff and the department goes and buys the things that are necessary right we don't I, I never see a budget bill that has a specific thing like a, even a vehicle right i won't see one that has a bus right but i'll see within within transportation there's there's funds available for the department to figure out the best thing to do that's why it's so important the executive so the governor uh-huh. is she appoints the directors the directors make the decisions going down more to the granular level like that right but i kind of put just a shell out i there's no role for me to micromanage all those details. Okay. But the departments do that themselves. But I'm sure a lot of uh, 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 state representatives and, and uh, uh, senators get a lot of backlash, even though that's not so much their job to do those things. Uh-huh. They're still responsible, and you're the face forward um, exactly. of of what a lot of people do. You just don't have control over every single person. So say you did write the funds for um, a, a maintenance job and that supervisor decided to spend $3,000 on screws, you would get, you would get the backlash. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's and how complicated I, this can be is sure. two years ago, we found out that um, the department had overspent for IT by mm. over a hundred million dollars. Oh my goodness! They came to the end of the year and they're like, "Whoops, we still over oh a hundred million dollars that we didn't account for." Uh-oh. It's like, okay, this is messed up. So, department, you need to figure things out. We'll put some extra funds, but not that whole thing. And what are we going to do going forward? Right. So, I was on a task force the year before last mm-hmm. to figure out how we're going to make sure that there's more oversight. 
they actually didn't even have a list of every single IT program. There's like a hundred just in the Department of Health and Human Services, all contracted out to different companies. Oh, geez. And it, it was all willy-nilly. They didn't even have a solid list. Oh, wow. So I worked with Rep Heisinga out of, um, so Mark Heisinga is a state rep uh-huh. out of um, Wyoming, not uh-huh. Wyoming, but um, over that way in Grand Rapids, yeah. on a package of bills to have more oversight to help make sure that they're, they're you know, they're keeping things under control, that there's checks and balances, that they're reporting every quarter so that that would never happen again. The more communication. That was was really bad. Yeah. So, But now they have a list. I can call and find out where they're at, where they're at on a project and and make sure that they've, we've appropriated enough funds because I don't want to leave anybody high and dry, of course. Sure. But they also come up to me and give me a proposal about how much they think it will cost. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So if that proposal that they gave, which comes with the budget recommendation that comes out next month, okay. if it's way under, way over, well, how do I know exactly what it is, it's going to cost? I'm not running the department. Right. But let's figure out a way to work together to make sure that you do have enough money to do these important things. Like even the Medicaid system goes through here or the oversight of abused children goes is another program. Mm-hmm. There's another program for pharmaceuticals. And I mean, it goes on and on. Well, you, you've been wonderful to be. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Daniel, you have any questions for Mary? Anything? No, everything sounds super impressive, though. Right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I learned, I learned a lot about, um, about you. I mean, a lot about your job in, in the government. I mean, I knew you as a friend, and you always come, we joke yeah. around, and we have fun, and, you know, you'll come to our events. But, um, I, you know, from researching you on your website, you've got the .gov page as well. Um, and, uh, I found, I learned a lot about, thanks for coming onto the show. Um, and, uh, look forward to, uh, seeing you in person again when we can I do know, that. I can't wait. <laughs> what are your plans? What are your plans real quick? What are your plans now? What it, now that you're, now that you're stepping back from, from politics, are, are, do you, do you, do you plan on like continuing, maybe doing, uh, you know, something on a more like a city level, state level area where you, I mean, city or community level? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I've always wanted to go back and get my master's in nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've just seen so many people, if they have too many feet in the future, they lose today. So I'm trying to do as much as I can every day. Um, and I can live with myself that way. Yeah. And God has a plan for me, and I will figure it out. And if all fails, I, we bought a farm. So we've got a 20-acre farm. Oh, wow. So, like Daniel and Dustin, you guys can get chickens and, and uh, be like Green Acres. We can be like Green Acres, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe have a place for retired horses. So, yeah, right. Yeah, I've got... I've got possibilities. Well, that's great. Um, I well, I, I do know one thing. If I had a light next to me and I was in a hospital bed and that was my uh, button to the nurse, I would be overjoyed to have you uh, uh, <laughs> uh, caring for me. I would take me. care of you. <laughs> of course you would. Hey, thanks for coming on, Mary. Thanks for You're teaching welcome. and and our listeners and sharing a little bit more about you that maybe not everybody knew. So uh, again, <laughs> I look forward to seeing you again. And uh, thanks to everybody. This is Gregory Muncie here on Sagatuck on Sunday. And I want to thank all of our sponsors, Charming Sagatuck Rentals, the Interurban Transit Authority, Back to the Fuchsia Flower Shop, and Mill Pond Realty. This has been Sagatuck on Sunday. We're here every Sunday, 7 to 9 a.m. And we will be here next week. We've got a couple of great guests. Uh, we've got Lori Sanford and Bob coming on from a shop in town. Not a lot of people know is Urban Threads. And we'll be back next week. So stay tuned to Saga Tuck on Sunday with Gregory Muncy. And have a great Sunday, everybody. Bye-bye.
Thanks for joining us this morning for Saga Tuck on Sunday with your host, Gregory Muncy. Today's show has been brought to you by Mill Pond Realty, Back to the Fuchsia, the Interurban, and Charming Saga Tuck Rentals. If you'd like to hear today's show, you can go to our website for the podcast, 927theband.com. It's also on our mobile app. And join us next Sunday, 7 a.m. for Saga Tuck on Sunday on the Lakeshores, 92.7 The Van.